Hi everyone, Terry Welbrock here. Just a quick message before today's episode. I, it is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. For those of you in the United States tuning in who will celebrate Thanksgiving tomorrow, just wanted to wish you a blessed day filled with joy and love and laughter and uh, time with friends and family and loved ones. Um, I've seen some beautiful posts today on Facebook and on social media, which really made my heart smile, of people saying, hey, if you don't have anywhere to go for this holiday, uh, I have I have space at my table. So uh, I even found a, um, a meme and put it on the Healing Place Podcast Facebook page uh, saying something similar in that... Uh, it's just such a gift to, to offer a space at the table, whether it's a holiday or any day, offering others um, somewhere where they can feel welcome. So, again, just wishing you joy and peace and love all the days of the year. So, today's episode has, uh, yeah, I learned a lot um, about mindfulness from a different perspective that we haven't talked about here yet on the show. So tune in and enjoy. Welcome everybody to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock, and very excited to have with me today, Rob Kreshek, right? Mm-hmm. You bet. <laughs> nice. And he is Chief Connection Officer and founder of Humans First. So welcome, Rob. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Terry. I'm really grateful to be here. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And I'm excited to talk to you about, I know uh, one of the things that popped up is is we connected on PodMatch, which I, I love that platform for connecting folks. I said, outside of my normal trauma recovery arena, um, but what you have to talk about is so critical today. Technology mindfulness. Can we start there and what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So this is kind of a term that I use. It's not like, you know, it's uh an official term or something, but uh, I, I define technology mindfulness as being aware of the ways that technology impacts you in your life. So for instance, your mental health relationships and productivity at work. And you know, the reason that I'm excited to share this information with people is in America, the average person is using screens and media 12 hours and 21 minutes a day on average, or we're using it about three quarters of our waking lives. And that's seven days a week. And so by you being more aware of the ways that uh, you might be using technology that it's and its effects on you as a person, it really could totally change your life. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, you know, I've tried to be more mindful of it myself. I live on Hilton Head Island and I just have to remind myself, you live on an island. The ocean is eight minutes away. So, like, mm-hmm. just go out there and experience life and enjoy that and the sunshine and all of that and, you know, put put the TikTok down. I'm, I, I only say TikTok <laughs> because I joined a course to learn about like the marketing mm. benefits of TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's why the company is called Humans First. It's a reminder that, the, you know, most meaning and happiness and joy in our lives comes from connecting with and being with other people, not with technology. And just to be clear, I'm not, I'm not, I always describe my stance as I'm not anti-technology. I'm just pro-humanity. 
So I, I really think that technology does amazing things for us. It's very helpful. It really makes us, it can make us really productive and do great things. But it's, um, you know, just like anything, I, I think it's a tool and it's a tool that can be used for good or a tool that can be used for bad. And I'm just trying here to try to educate people on some of the ways that they might be using it um, that might be harming them that they're not even aware of or might not even enter their consciousness. Yeah. Can you point some of those out to me? Because one, I'm curious myself to be like, oh, am I doing it? Am I doing that? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's... Um... And again, like th this uh, information I'm sharing with people, and I've spent the last four years researching this topic, and I read over 100 books and over 2,000 articles and studies to arrive at these conclusions. So, you know, I'm trying to summarize a lot of information for you in a very short amount of time. So um, just bear with me. But basically what's happening is uh, on a day-to-day -day and sometimes minute-to-minute -minute basis, the way that we interact with technology is activating our sympathetic nervous system. This is the fight or flight system that keeps us alive when we sense that there's a threat. But because the technology use is always activating the sympathetic nervous system or fight or flight system, um, our bodies don't have enough chance or time to down-regulate or recover or rejuvenate from this stimulus. And so what's happening is the average person, their fight or flight system is being amped up and activated all day throughout the day. And that's why we have this, in my opinion, this, that's why we have this nationwide surge in anxiety over the last 10 years. It's because of the technology use and how it's it's inter interacting with our physiology. And so if you're aware of that and you and you're all, all of a sudden you start to realize, oh, when I check social media, sometimes I get sweaty or my mouth gets dry or I don't feel good about myself or Oh, when I check my email right before bed and I see an email that pisses me off, I can't get to bed for an hour. Like those are the things that are you you could be doing in your everyday life that are potentially substantially impacting your mental health and uh, you're just not even aware of it. It's not even coming into your consciousness. Wow. I I again, I love that just to bring that to the forefront. And I know for me personally like I don't if I see something that's violent, news related, I don't watch the news, anything along those lines. I mean, but when COVID, you know, when the pandemic was here, every time you turned around, people were arguing about it, you know, no vaccine, get a vaccine. It was just, there was just chaos happening about wear a mask, don't wear a mask, go out in public, don't go out in public. And so there was just, you could just feel this energy of negativity. And so, yeah, I would just be like, scroll, scroll, scroll as fast as I could to get through it because I was feeling it. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, and, and, and if I could share this with the listeners, I think this might be helpful. So if you think about the business model of any media company, whether it's a social media company or a traditional news company, and it doesn't matter which one it is, their business model is this. Their goal is to show you as much uh, news or information that catches your attention as possible. And generally, that's negative information. Humans have a negativity bias and we are uh, programmed innately to pay attention to negative news because it's a survival mechanism. So for instance, 50,000 years ago when we were cavemen and cavewomen, I would pay attention to something another tribe might be saying close to me because if I heard, for instance, oh, there's this saber-toothed tiger that's going to attack our tribe, I could prepare and possibly be ready for it, and that would keep me alive. So paying attention to that negative information helped me survive. 
But in today's world, there's not saber two tigers attacking, or at least not for most people. And so, but we're still programmed to see this negative information and pay attention to it. So the news companies know this. They therefore show you more negative information, which gets more eyeballs, which therefore gets more advertising dollars, which therefore makes them more money. So the more negative the information, the more we pay attention, the more money news companies make. And so you and every other person who's watching the news are essentially being exploited for this um, innate uh, characteristic that humans have in order for the news companies to make more money. Wow. Yeah. And so if you if you think about that, I mean, that's why I'm I'm in the exactly the same boat as you, Terry. I very purposefully and actively um, do not watch the news or look at uh, media or almost anything at all. And some of my friends even make fun of me. They're like, uh, you know, how do you keep track of what's going on in the world? And the answer is I don't, except for if there's something super important happening, like, for instance, when BLM happened. My wife actually told me about it, and that's how I heard about it, because I didn't look at the news. I didn't even know what was going on. And so I, I believe that if there's something that's truly, really important, I actually just hear about it from another person in conversation. And that's how I, I find out about a lot of news, which sounds like super archaic. But I, I actually think that my life is substantially changed because of that. Oh, I feel the exact same way. I, I'm much calmer. I don't I don't get, um, yeah, like you said, triggered or hyper aroused or, you know, our system, right. our nervous system being activated uh, by exposing myself to that. I, I know well enough to not do it. And it's cute because my kids, all three of them will say something along the lines of, oh, I saw the best movie, but don't watch it, mom, because you'll, you, you, you won't like it because oh, it's, got, you know, it's violent. violent or it's got this oh. in it. And I'm like, yeah, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like your kids have your best interest in mind. That's yeah. great. Yeah. It's interesting though. I my wife and I, you know, we went on this trip recently and we were watching um some movies during it and I found that like when I would watch these movies close to bed time, I would actually have nightmares about some of the stuff, right? And and I told her like, look, I, I actually love action movies and all that stuff, but I don't think we should be watching those close to bed. So it, you know, I I I totally believe that that's true that it, even the movies can negatively impact you for sure. Oh, for sure. I think we've even talked about just to make a little segue for for the for the audience um, that when kids are watching movies like Jaws or some parents will let them watch, um, you know, horror movies and scary movies, that has such a profound impact on these kids. Um, and it can be on on a trauma level that later down, you know, later in life, they can have some some serious issues from being exposed to those kinds of violent and yes, yeah, scary and mm -hmm. negative uh, scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I could share a quick story with you and the listeners about myself and my, uh, you know, kind of how I sort of started to become aware of this stuff. So when I was in high school, uh, it was a very tough time for me because I had really bad acting. It was very traumatic for me and very crippling, you know, and when you don't feel good about how your face looks you don't really want to talk to anyone or you know look people in the eye or anything and so that was a very difficult time for me and one of the kind of uh side effects of that though was that i became addicted to video games and this though was in the mid 90s before most people had a cell phone or an internet connected computer and so you know i i always joke that like 
Uh, I was addicted to technology before it was cool to be addicted to technology, you know? Um, but the thing is, is I saw for myself at a, at a pretty young age then how, uh, you know, what the negative effects from technology were before people were even using technology. And so um, I just want to share this information with other people so that they don't have to go through the same thing that I did. And, um, you know, that to me, you know, uh, that that experience of being addicted to video games early on was actually very valuable in that it showed me, uh, you know, what what video games can do to your your brain or your, your psychology um, without you even being aware of it. Like, I didn't realize that I was addicted to them until my dad found me playing video games late at night a couple of times in a row on a school night, you know, and like where I should have been sleeping because I was in high school. Uh, I was playing video games till 12, one, two in the morning. And like, that's not good, you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. And then now one of the things, to, again, to make a little bit of a turn that you talk about is, um, is transitioning. So companies to transition to a four day work week. Um, is that to give people more time than away from screens and downtime? Yeah. So the whole point of my company, if I had to summarize it in one sentence, is to have people spend less time on technology so that they can spend more time with the people in life that they care about the most. Right. That's why it's called humans first. And and so, um, yeah, the whole point of me guiding companies, teams and individuals to a four day work week is so that they can use technology a little bit differently, spend less time working and then spend more time with the people or doing the things that they care about the most. And when I, by the way, when I say a four day work week, I mean, four, eight hour days, not four, 10 hour days. So ah. every person in the company the, with the same pay though, with the same pay. So you're working, you're truly working one full day less per week with the same pay. And that's for everybody. That's not just the employees, the management team, the owners, everyone gets the benefit from that. I love that idea. And I mean, again, you can get so much done <laughs> when you're not so stressed out and and so much demands placed upon you yeah i mean it's interesting you say that terry because what i'm seeing is happening is you know in 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 business today in general we're uh increasing the amount of ways that we can communicate a, a lot exponentially so th every time you add one more way to communicate to the mix it doesn't just linearly increase the number of ways that you communicate it exponentially increases them which then exponentially increases the complexity of your communication and so when you have all these different ways to communicate what that's forcing employees to do is guess how and when and how much they need to communicate which becomes incredibly stressful and so by communicating a little bit differently or sometimes even eliminating ways to communicate it sounds kind of counterintuitive but it actually makes it easier for you to communicate and to get things done yeah well what popped into my head immediately was you're streamlining it then i mean it's like exactly either a, like a one one way communication route not meaning like one way you know but one i can't think of how i want to say it <laughs> Yeah, you're, I'm simplifying. Yeah, 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 yeah. One platform. Right, exactly. Right. So like, for instance, you could say, uh, as a company, right, as a company, we agree that all that uh, external client communication will be done via email. And we agree that internal, uh, you know, within team communication will be done via Slack, and then try to, you know, establish some rules and procedures related to that. And, you know, even doing something like that, which is very simple, 
you know, in in theory, can dramatically change how how and how much the company is forced to communicate and really allow people to spend more time on doing more value added activities, like whatever they need to do related to their job. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And another thing, and I don't know if this if this is something you can speak to or not, is being at home and and people working from from home offices. Um, I've, I keep hearing more and more friends and loved ones and people talking about, I work more <laughs> from home, like all the time, like, because my computer's there and I hear it ding and, oh, I have an email and I'll go check it. And it's six o'clock or seven o'clock at night. And um, so, yeah, that's almost like a perk for the companies, but not so good for the employees. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think that there's, you know, multiple viewpoints there, right, to consider. So I do think that working from home for sure allows more flexibility. Like there's no question that if you work from home as opposed to driving into an office, like there's a a lot of amount of flexibility to be gained there. But um, what's interesting is the data shows that, uh, you know, after COVID or during COVID, the average worker was working 31 minutes more in the United States. So we actually were working more, but generally people were, you know, not as productive or it was tough to be as productive. And the other thing though, that working from home does, and again, like there's some benefits, some cons is that working from home then blurs the boundaries between what is your personal life and what is your business life. And, you know, some people, for some people, it's very easy to establish those boundaries and adhere to them. But for other people, it's very difficult. You know, you might feel compelled to like, let's say uh, you're, your workstation for your job is in the middle of your living room, right? Because you don't have another place to put it. Not everyone has a dedicated office. In fact, my office is in my my and my wife's uh, bedroom. <laughs> and so, you know, some people might feel compelled if their computer's in their bedroom to, you know, log on at 10 at night and check their email one more time just because it's in the bedroom and it's convenient. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily what they should be doing or what's best for them. Right. Yeah, well, that's that's the story that I keep hearing because, again, a lot of people they do they don't have an extra spare bedroom because of kids or whatever, and it is in a very convenient place, and so they'll hear that ding, and then they're like, "Oh, I should probably mm-hmm. check that." <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Um, yes, one of the things that you had brought up is a simple, like a simple suggestion that you can have for people to start making these shifts in their life. Yeah. So um, I can make, I mean, there's literally like hundreds of things that I could suggest, right? But here's a couple very simple things that you could literally do in 30 seconds each, and they will make a big difference in how much you use your phone or how you interact with your phone. So the first one is to disable a setting called raise to wake. And if you're, uh, if you have an iPhone, you just go into settings and you can search for that. Or there's a similar setting in Android as well. It's not called race to wake. It's called something similar though. So similar functionality. And basically if you disable this feature, what it does is when the feature is enabled, when you're, when you physically move your phone, it will turn on the display. So not only does that waste the battery life, but it also then well, you know, when you move your phone and your display turns on, your eyes automatically go to it. And then you automatically think to yourself, oh, like what's on my phone? Like what should I, what, how many notifications did I get or what's on here, right? And so when you disable raise to wake and it's not turned on, then your phone screen doesn't turn on automatically. And so A, this saves battery life, but B, it 
for it doesn't get you sucked in your phone as often because your display doesn't automatically turn on. And so, for instance, when I disabled this, it saved me about two hours per week of screen time, which that's like a lot of time just for one simple setting, you know. So I think that was that's something that you can do in literally 10 seconds is disable the raise to wake feature. That's something that's really helpful. Another thing is, is let's say you're trying to reduce the use of one of your apps. I don't know whatever, which one it is. Maybe it's Facebook. It could be a, a sports game. I don't know, whatever. But um, if you have that app on your home screen, like this, your, you know, the screen that you immediately see when you unlock your phone, you're going to be much more likely to hit it just because it's there and it's available. It's sort of like, you know, if you have a plate of chocolate chip cookies sitting in your kitchen uh, and you like chocolate chip cookies, you're probably going to eat those if they're sitting out. But you are not, you're not going to eat as many if they're stored away in a cabinet, right? And so the the kind of a, a digital equivalent is to move an app that you're trying to reduce the use for to the very, very last page of your app screen, uh, of your apps, excuse me. And, you know, that way it is intentionally a little bit more difficult to use it or get to it. And when you're scrolling to the last page to get to this app that you might use, then you could be asking yourself, hey, is there really a reason that I need to be using this right now? Or is there something else that I could be doing? I love it. And I've done that. I, mm. I Growing up Catholic, I, I was doing Lent. And um, so, yeah, I I would, I said, I'm going to not be on Facebook for 40 days during Lent. Mm. And so I moved it all the way to the end. And then, but every now and then I would like go because I had like have my notification number on it. And I'd be like, Oh my God, there's 20 messages. Like some people have written stuff to me and I got to <laughs> check it. And I'd be like, Oh, it drove me crazy. So finally I just deleted not Facebook, but I deleted the app. It, the app. It was still on there. I just couldn't get to it unless I like went and did a search and then opened it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. That is, I mean, I I really applaud you for doing that. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks. I'm so happy that you did that. And I, yeah. Um, yeah there, and I, I think, you know, because a lot of people struggle, right? Regardless of whether it's Facebook or another app, these apps, I mean, you know, to be clear, they're a, they're engineered to be addictive. Like that's the whole point of them. The, the business model of almost any digital company, not all, but almost all of them, is to get you to use their product as much as possible because that makes you want to spend more time on it or and or spend more money with it uh, or on it, either one. But really, um, the, the most companies have a free model where, you know, you don't pay anything, but you're actually paying with your time and attention. Human time and attention is now the most valuable asset on earth. It's not oil anymore. It's human time and attention. And so they're trying to all get your time and attention to make more money. Yes. Well, it makes so much sense. I mean, when you think about I mean, 12 hours a day on a screen time, now I understand, you know, that's computer time with work and Excel spreadsheets and all that stuff too, but. Right. But still. Yeah. That's wow. a lot of time. A lot of time. Exactly. Exactly. So was there anything else that you wanted to address today that uh, we haven't talked about yet? Um, I guess one other thing that I think is helpful for people to understand is that one of the biggest ways that you can, you know, be more productive with your job or with whatever you're doing is if there's anything that you're doing on your phone and you can you and you can instead do that same thing on the computer it's generally going to be about twice as fast to do it on a computer because there's a big you have a much bigger screen and a full-size keyboard and so if you're for instance spending 10 hours a week checking your email on your phone 
if you moved all that email checking to your computer, you could save half that time or five hours a week by doing it all on your computer. Like that to me is a huge savings. So that's one of the things that I generally help people with is to get them to use their phone a little bit less for productivity related stuff for work and do it more on the computer. Oh my gosh, I love it. And you're so speaking to me because I literally started using my laptop more because nice. I'm the one finger typer. Again, <laughs> kids make fun of me. And so trying to send, and I'm, I'm a writer, so I tend to write more than what I can in a very simple little response. And so I, I would be typing it out on my phone. And would, then I found if I just hopped on my computer and I'd be like, okay, done. Yes. Boom, gone. <laughs> Awesome. I think that's great. You're doing that, Terry. Heck yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Oh, I love it. Well, good. I'm So I'm doing some of it already, but I'm going to mm-hmm. go put that, uh, turn that feature off on my iPhone. Um, yeah. So how do, how do folks connect with you? How do they contact you? Yeah. Yeah. So um, you can check me out on my website. The website is humansfirst.us. And then one other thing that I wanted to offer the listeners today, Terry, is a free 30-minute technology mindfulness consultation call with me via Zoom. All people need to do to redeem that is just email me. My email address is rob, R-O-B, at humansfirst.us. And just mention this podcast in the subject line, and then I'm happy to uh, set up a call and chat with you about, about helping you out. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for, for that gift for, for listening, for listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Awesome. It, but it's yeah, free call, by the way. There's no charge or anything. Free 30-minute call, yeah. Okay, wonderful. All right. Well, this has just been so informative and uh, wonderful. So thank you for joining joining me today. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Really grateful to be here and appreciate everything and hope the listeners found that helpful. Yes, for sure. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today and remind you to visit my website as well as the Academy terrywellbrock.com for the courses but if you go to my website terrywellbrock.com you can sign up for my monthly hope for healing newsletter which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows um, and just a great space for uh, thanks for again being here and being a part of this healing space i very much appreciate you all right bye-bye